It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, local experts on the biggest stories. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network, episode 366. Sort of like Nick Foles passing yardage, 366. Uh, not far off there. It's Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels the day after a spectacular Super Bowl in downtown Minneapolis. Super Bowl 52 results in an upset. The Philadelphia Eagles 41, the New England Patriots 33. Our very own Sage Rosenfels was in the building last night for another outstanding Super Bowl involving the Patriots. Sage, tell me if you were thinking the same thing as me last night. It's 33-32. The Eagles have the football and are driving. I said out loud, the only way the Eagles win this game is if they use the entire clock and win it on a field goal with no time because they can't give it back to Brady. So when they gave it back to Brady, I was fully prepared for the New England Patriots come back, the iconic Brady touchdown in the closing seconds, and the Eagles flipped the script on it last night, the strip sack of Brady, and then the Hail Mary coming up short in the closing seconds. Uh, a total reversal of fortune for the Eagles last night. They played an unbelievable football game going toe-to-toe with New England. They did, and they were the better all-around team, uh, really from 1 to 46, that dress in that football game. Uh, the Eagles, the, the uh, I mean, I tell you what, for Vikings fans, got to feel pretty good that even though we lost uh, badly in that championship game, you, you lose to the, to the winners who dethroned the Patriots. And so uh, that I guess that's good for Vikings fans. Maybe we weren't uh, as bad as we thought we were in that championship game. The Eagles were said top to bottom, the best team in football. They won with their backup quarterback, uh, backup left tackle, uh, backup Mike linebacker. Uh, they missed a lot of key pieces for the majority, if not all, of the season uh, and still brought home the Lombardi Trophy. So fantastic game. Nick Foles uh, was incredible. Uh, he threw one interception, uh, but really that was actually about a perfectly thrown ball that was basically uh, sort of dropped or fumbled around and intercepted. Um, but other than that, uh, an incredible performance by him. Uh, Tom Brady, I tell you what, when you're down, when you're up by Tom Brady by about five or six, that's like the worst number to be up by him. It just yeah. felt like the Patriots were going to come back when they were up, when the Eagles were up six one time, then they're up five another time. Just felt like, all right, well, Tom's going to do another fourth quarter drive and come back and win this thing with a touchdown. And the strip sack, that was there was a lot of big plays in that game, but at the key moment, that was the biggest play in the game and uh, and got the, the Eagles to, to an eight-point lead uh, with only uh, less than a minute left for, for Tom to try to come back. And he still somehow got in the midfield, and, and they had a chance with the Hail Mary, uh, and somehow Tom Brady did not come through this time. Yeah, and if they hadn't done the, the silly razzle-dazzle on the kick return and cost themselves 15 yards, that might have changed that end game approach they might have gotten a little closer to yeah how about Brady though he loses his most explosive receiver in the first half Brandon Cook's out and he doesn't miss a beat 
just goes off for 505 passing yards. They don't punt once in the game. And frankly, the, the Eagles were lucky in the first half because I would argue that or on the field goal where they bobbled the snap and missed, I think they probably should have gone for it on fourth and one, to be honest with you. And and the fact that they didn't, you know, they, they didn't get the three, they didn't get the seven, they probably could have scored there. Then they went on it, they went for it for, on fourth and five from the 35. That could have been a field goal, too. I mean, they left points on the scoreboard early. Then they weren't stopped in the second half until that strip sack. It was just, it was a miraculous performance by Brady, and I don't want to detract from it because I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback that locked in for three and a half quarters like Brady was last night. He was really outstanding. He, he crossed the 400-yard mark, uh, I believe, with about three minutes left in the third quarter. I mean, he was on pace for 600 yards passing or something like that. I mean, it was absolutely incredible, his performance. Yes, as you said, without Brandon Coates, I mean, without Julian Edelman. I mean, obviously, he's been out for the whole year. But without really probably his two best receivers going into the season, uh, were, were out and, and, and cooked for the vast majority of the football game. And he goes over 500 yards passing. Absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, he was probably the better quarterback. Foles played great. Uh, but at the end of the day, from top to bottom, the Philadelphia Eagles are a better football team. Really interesting note, and I'm not sure people how much uh, they were talking about on TV, but Malcolm Butler, uh, who had been one of the best cornerbacks for the Patriots for the last about three seasons, yeah. really since that, that Super Bowl interception uh, of Russell Wilson, does not play one defensive snap in the football game. Uh, he had been po- playing poorly uh, lately. Uh, they had uh, the, the other guy who, who ended up starting and playing the most of the game, uh, practicing with the, the starting group all week. Uh, but still a surprise when uh, your, your secondary is getting – uh, torched, uh, you know, like the Patriots were, uh, you know, with full zone for 366 yards. That Malcolm Butler, one of your, has had been one of your better players, uh, sits on the bench uh, and doesn't get any reps. Yep, that was definitely a big storyline on TV. Michelle Tafoya tried to ask Belichick about it at halftime, and he was pretty mum. Just said we put the best players out there to win the football game. Blah blah blah. Not sure we'll ever get a straight up answer, but I know Malcolm Butler was very upset after the game, uh, did a little cussing, uh, a little swearing at, at the reporters, said that they gave up on him. That's very interesting and, and maybe one of the few bad coaching moves that Belichick has made and maybe trying to outsmart himself. Maybe Butler has been really poor in practice recently, so we'll make this move. It's really, really tough to see where that would come into play. Gosh, there's so many coaching moves to talk about in this game. How about the... Uh, the, the fourth down call, the fourth from the two-yard line. Yeah, the, the uh, tight on, end on the, on the, pass. On the direct snap to the running back, reverse pass. I think they called it Philly special. I was in the press conference last night uh, with both Foles uh, and uh, and head coach Doug Peterson. They stole that play from the Chicago Bears. Yep. Did it a couple years. Do it last year uh, against the Vikings. Uh, I believe it was a week, week 17 game. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they stole that from the Viking or from, from the bears, uh, and used it on a fourth and two in the Super Bowl. Absolutely incredible. I was kind of step for step with Collinsworth on that one. Cause I said, this might decide the game. Not so much. If they get that, they go up by 10, like they did. I didn't think that was going to be over, but if they failed to get that, that conversion and only went up three and a half time, that to me, felt like a potential game-swinging play. Like, you had 
to convert there, and they did. And then they went for it on fourth down later in the game. I'm trying to remember the circumstances, but they converted to Ertz, I believe, on a fourth yeah, down. Yeah, fourth and five. Uh, yeah. Or, so, or, or some from, from maybe now it's about a fourth and two from their own about 40-yard line, and, and, and Ertz got about three. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I tell you what, Doug Peterson is the coach that goes for it. Uh, and that was sort of the talk in the, with the media last night. And the players love that. You know, he's uh, they, 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 they like using the word gutsy. I think I heard the word gutsy about four times. I mean, he he doesn't necessarily play all the odds and the statistics. He goes with his gut, uh, with his intuition. Uh, he's aggressive. He goes forward and forth down a lot. And I think his players feed off of that. And uh, um, you know, maybe it's something that Mike Zimmer could, should uh, you know should think about a little bit more often. Uh, is not always, uh, you know, playing the conservative way, uh, which most NFL head coaches play. And I think, I think somebody said last night that Doug Peterson said, you know, if you, you play conservative, conservatively, you end up eight and eight uh, to win a Super Bowl. You have to take chances, and he took a lot of chances last night, and, and, and almost every single one of them worked out for him. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Well, I'm trying to, to think back through Philadelphia's second half drives because and I think they scored literally every time they had the ball in the second I, half. I believe there's one punt in the game. I yes. believe Donnie Jones had one punt uh in the football game and that was it. Yep. The Eagles go touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal on their four second half possessions. And I think that was the only way they were gonna win is if they scored every time they had the ball. And I thought for a moment it was gonna have to be a touchdown every time because the Patriots were just coming and coming and coming they scored three touchdowns out of the shoot right in the, in the second half and yeah and but then the drive down one chewing up seven minutes getting that touchdown to Ertz which by the way that that brings us to the, the catch rule stuff you that know, was definitely a catch not even close yeah he caught it took three steps was lunging it towards the goal line to stick the ball out after he had caught and run with it I, I didn't even think that was close um and, you know at all and uh, I'm glad the NFL made the right decision on that. Uh, that would open up a whole can of worms with the Patriots and what some people think is a conspiracy. The Patriots always get the get the big call. Uh, that that was the right call on that play to Ertz. And again, what what a great throw uh, by Nick Foles fitting in that window on a huge play. Well, credit the Eagles receivers because the last two games against the Vikings and then last night, they made some amazing catches in the end zone and then. Going to the ground secured the ball every time, whether it was Clement 
last night. The Wisconsin running back who, you know, is James White last year, the Wisconsin running back. And this year it was Clement who had 100 yards receiving, led the Eagles, scored a touchdown, had that other somewhat questionable catch back line of the end zone. But then you've got Jeffrey, you know, securing the ball on the back line. Their skill players are good. And that's, I think, why Nick Foles had so much success because, I mean, he just had great supporting cast around him. Ajayi was awesome again. Blunt was good last night. Everybody showed up around Foles who needed to. Well, and that's the thing with that. This Eagles offense is they use all of their, of their weapons. You know, in traditional NFL offenses, you basically play three receivers. Uh, you, you would say you play probably two tight ends, and you have, let's just say, two running backs at this point. Uh, well, they use three tight ends. They use all three running backs in different ways. You know, when, when, when Blunt comes in the game, like Garrett Blunt, he's probably going to be a down, more of a downhill runner. Uh, uh, you know, a, a Jai does some of the same things, does a little of everything. And then Clement, man, he can run the football to the backfield, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of wheel routes and what we call bullet routes, uh, you know, down the sideline and then one-on-one type stuff. Uh, he's a special back, and he's also short and strong and powerful. He does a lot of good things. And so, yeah, they use, you know, you know, four wide receivers, three tight ends, and three running backs all very well. It's almost like they have packages for each, uh, for each player. All right. Well, now we'll ask you some of the stuff that we didn't get to see at home. So describe the atmosphere in the stands and compare it, I suppose, to the last time you read a game in that stadium. Yeah. Uh, compare it to like a Vikings home game. What was the noise like during commercial breaks? What what was going on? Yeah. What? So so we didn't. So let, I'll start with this. The I would say the Eagles had about a two to one fan advantage in that football game. Uh, you know, of the sixty five, sixty six thousand that were there. And I'm just going to throw out a number of uh, you know thirty thousand Eagles fans, fifteen thousand Patriots fans, and then fifteen thousand. Uh, you know, the Chad Greenways of the world who I saw was in the stands last night uh, mm-hmm. who were really weren't rooting for anybody. Uh, I'm just happy to be there. Um, during commercial breaks, uh, they showed the Eli Manning uh, New York Giants dancing commercial, which everyone laughed at. Uh, I, I thought it was a great tweet last night I saw that uh, uh, Tom Brady is 0-3 in, in Super Bowls that Eli Manning has appeared in, uh, <laughs> including last night. Um but uh, uh, many times they would have uh, Scott Hansen, who's the Red Zone Channel, uh, uh, you know, the, the host of the Red Zone Channel. Yeah. Uh, he would come on and, you know, he interviewed uh, Alan Page at one point. He would talk about the game. He would transition to uh, this, that, and the other. Um, they sometimes would, you know, have other commercials maybe on in, in the stadium. Um, so there's really all, all sorts of things that they would have on. But, yeah, we, we really didn't see very many co- actual commercials that everyone saw at home. But, but we did see that uh, that New York Giants commercial, which, which was hilarious. All right. How was Timberlake uh, on TV? Looked like he knocked it out of the park. Uh, how was it in person? Well, I actually taped a lot of it on my phone. And, and I'm sitting sort of on the east uh, side uh, in, in the, like the second row of the upper deck. And so I've got this great view. Uh, from the back of the end zone, and uh, it, to be honest with you, it's not nearly as good as I'm sure it was in TV. I mean, th- those things are made for TV. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the stadium, it's okay. Uh, you can hear it okay, um, but uh, you know, you're, you're so far away that you don't see all the razzle and dazzle. And I mean, he's just a, 
uh, you know, a tiny little speck. And you sort of go like, where is Timberlake at this point? You know, they have all this stuff going on in the field. Uh, but uh, that, that, that was definitely made for TV. I'm sure it looked great from home. Uh, and I actually, I thought what was cool is I got home last night and uh, I watched Jimmy Kimmel Live from the Orpheum. And uh, Timberlake was on there as well, and, and Chris Stapleton, and that was a that was a neat show to have on. Uh, and I, by the way, Minneapolis, unbelievable job. You know, uh, I think the weather um, was not really a big issue. Yeah, it was cold, uh, but it is cold in Minneapolis. And I think that the the day and age of lifts and Ubers uh, and all the transportation, and uh, I think it was, it's really a perfect city to host a big event like that. You know, almost every event I went to was downtown near downtown or northeast or maybe even uptown, uh, you know, very close to the city. And uh, it was, you know, very easy to get around for the most part. And uh, I think the, the invention of I said Uber and Lyft uh, made getting from one place to the other without, without having to park all the time uh, and, and ha- really have to deal with the cold, uh, a, a great place to host the Super Bowl. Yep, yep. My wife and I definitely utilized Uber a couple times. We went to the convention center, did the Super Bowl experience, went to Super Bowl Live yesterday. Amazing. All the fans that were just hanging out downtown yesterday at like 12, 1 o'clock, just getting ready for that game. And by the way, speaking of Timberlake, you got to see him up close at Paisley Park. So you kind of got the the more intimate experience with him, didn't you? I did, yes. On, uh, what was that, on Thursday? Thursday, I got an invite out to Paisley Park. Uh, and he did a album release party. Uh, he did not play, which was the real bummer. We were all sort of hoping that, okay, Timberlake, if he doesn't play his songs, maybe he'll play a, a Prince song or two. Uh, you know, The Revolution played uh, later on that night. We thought maybe he'd go play The Revolution. Did not happen. So that was a bummer, but it was neat to be able, to be in Paisley Park. Probably, the only, probably will be the only time in my life I'm ever there. Uh, and then to obviously hear Timberlake's new album, and then see the Revolution play, uh, and they were fantastic. I, I actually stood next to Andrew Zimmern, it uh, seemed like a lot that night, and he and I are discussing all sorts of things, uh, another great Minnesotan uh, that was in the house. So many cool things that happened this week. Uh, it's too bad that there was that cold element for sort of the Nationals to come in and say, well, this place can't host another Super Bowl because the sponsors can't get their outdoor activities or they can't get as many eyeballs on their products, uh, which is which is too bad because I did feel like especially the local people really embraced it. Uh, and, and all the tourists who came in from Northeast, I think they embraced it, too. Obviously, New Englanders and Philadelphians, they can they can withstand this kind of cold, too. Well, um, and, I, and I think, you know, Listen, it's it's you know Super Bowls like in Miami, for example, or even Phoenix, Arizona. Th- those stadiums are in the middle of nowhere. I mean, the Miami stadium is is off this sort of turnpike uh, between Miami and Fort Lauderdale, um, and uh, you know there's really nothing around it. Um, and, and same goes with with Phoenix. It's way in West Phoenix. There's really nothing around. Uh, but in this situation, you know, people were taking the skyways, uh, uh, you know, from their hotels or I said, you know, very short lift rides right over to the stadium. Everything was downtown. So much was downtown. And it was just really, you know, Minneapolis is a very centralized city. So I think it absolutely put on a fantastic Super Bowl. They may not get another one, uh, you know, ever again. But uh, if that's the case, I think they put on an, an unbelievable Super Bowl. There's not, there's not much more they could have done better. I mean, they got Justin Timberlake, one of the great you know, musicians and entertainers in, in this day and age, and they got him to perform, and and uh, I think the parties were fantastic. So, uh, you know, job well done by everyone involved. And I thought I saw in the, the Minneapolis Star Tribune 
they listed all the names of all the volunteers, thousands thousands of volunteers to make this thing happen. And they were so friendly, all of them. A lot of smiles, a lot of hellos, very helpful in the skyways, helping people get from point A to point B. Big picture perspective on both these teams, and then we'll, we'll wrap the show. Big picture for New England. Clearly, the defense left a little something to be desired in this game. It was a strong defense for most of the year, but you, you lose your coordinator to the Lions on defense. You lose your offensive coordinator to the Colts. Where do the Patriots go from here with Brady, who's by all accounts coming back next year? Rumors of unrest between Kraft and Belichick. What happens next now for this New England dynasty? You know, I, I actually have serious concerns about the Patriots. I I don't know if their dynasty is going to continue like it has been. I mean, uh, since Josh McDaniels got fired uh, a few you know, a few years ago from his head coaching job, then I think he had a year as the St. Louis Rams offensive coordinator. Then he's been in New England. Patricia's been there for a long, long time. They both they lose both those guys, and uh, you know, and Brady's not getting any younger. So I do have, and, and you know, Gronkowski. Um, he even made a comment that uh, he's going to you know, start thinking about his future. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine him retiring, but that guy has been beat up a lot in his career. He's made his, his big contracts, uh, and uh, you know, he's, he's had a lot of hits to the head as well. He, he, he does understand all that. Uh, he, can't, you know, he catches a lot of balls over the middle. Uh, it's a very physical game. He's still an unbelievable player with, I think, two touchdowns last night. Uh, but, you know, he's not getting any younger either, and, and tight ends usually that, that play the way he plays as physical as he plays. You know, they don't usually last until they're 36 years old either. So um, we, we, they, we might be nearing the end here. Uh, and I, I couldn't imagine, uh, you know, Brady playing without Belichick and, and Belichick coaching without Brady. I, I just don't see that happen. And in particular now that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is no longer the backup quarterback. I um, mean, you know, they, they, they'd be completely starting from scratch there in New England. So, Next year is is interesting. I, I guess I'm going to be one of those that's early on, but I got to be one of those people that uh, does not pick the Patriots to go far next year. Uh, I think that uh, uh, they're coming to the end of their road. You could very well be right about that. The funny thing is, is that if you listen back to talk radio, like the day after the Patriots lost to the Giants in the in both the Giants Super Bowls, honestly. I bet you would have heard the same conversation about about this is the end. They're not going to bounce back from this, and then here they are, like a well, de- and, and decade. Well, I think like I said they're, they're losing both coordinators. Um, they are. Like I said Brady's getting older. Belichick's getting older. Um, you know, they, they just. Uh, I just. I don't know. I, I just sort of feels like to me that uh, you know they're obviously they'll ramp it up and, and, and sure make a run and they'll probably win the AFC East. But um, I just sort of feels like. You know that that magic might be gone. I've said, in particular, losing two coordinators, Brady and Josh McDaniel were very, very close. And I think Josh McDaniel is a really good offensive coordinator. Designs a lot of plays uh, that uh, that are that are you know very advantageous in man-to-man coverage and all things that Brady sees all the time. And uh, they, they've been a heck of a team uh, the last few years. And so it just seems like they're losing a lot. And Brady is getting older. He's still absolutely fantastic, but. Uh, it's different when you lose your offensive coordinator and replace them with somebody else that's on the staff or somebody from somebody else, some, somewhere else in the in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do at OC. I think I saw a report already that they're going to bring in Greg Schiano as their defensive coordinator, who's been certainly in the news. Hasn't been the most popular coach in the world in, in his uh, tenure, 
but that's what they're going to do defensively speaking. And then, as you know, in the past, I mean, uh, Belichick has taken over a lot of those responsibilities sometimes. You know, they have a new defensive coordinator. He basically has become the defensive coordinator. He's 65 years old now. I don't know if, you know, if he has that much energy to grind as much as a regular defensive coordinator grinds. I mean, he, he was doing that five, seven years ago, but you know, said he's 65. I'm not sure he's up for, for that much uh, late, that many, that many late night hours and, and that much work uh, you know, after losing his coordinators here. Right. Well, different case for Philadelphia. They're getting everybody back, including Nick Foles, if they want. He's still under contract. I can't really envision a scenario where Carson Wentz isn't the starter next year, even though Doug Peterson didn't really say either way. He was asked about it, but I'm sure Carson Wentz takes that job back. So the question becomes, do you shop Nick Foles, try to get value for him uh, when his value is as high as it will ever get, or do you just hang on to him? You know, he's a pretty affordable great second string quarterback to have and obviously a legend now in philadelphia what do you do if you're philadelphia with the quarterback my guess is they leave Foles uh where he is that's just that's just a a guess based off of a couple of things one um they now understand the value of a backup quarterback two they don't know if carson wentz is going to be healthy by you know the, the beginning of the season and since they don't know that uh, and, and usually if, if somebody's going to trade for a quarterback, they like to do it at the you know, late spring, early summer, so that quarterback can be there for the offseason, be there for the OTAs, uh, and get all that work. If you're going to trade a first-rounder or a second-rounder for a guy, uh, you want him there all summer to, to be around the offense and all those types of things. And so uh, being that they will not know if Nick Foles is – sorry, Carson Wentz is, is 100% healthy probably until sometime in the early summer, late summer. I you know I don't know if uh, – They'll want to get rid of their backup quarterback. You know, having said that, uh, if they can get a you know first and, and a third or a first and a fourth like they got for Sam Bradford, which helped them improve their roster to win the Super Bowl, if somebody offers something like that, which I highly doubt, uh, you know, they might jump on it. So, um, you know, it might, it might it may come down to what they feel about Nate Sudfeld, uh, who who is now the backup, really the third string quarterback, uh, may may come down to what they think about him. So. My guess is uh, uh, they understand, they, they truly understand the value of a really good backup quarterback, and, and they'll keep Nick Foles for another year. Right, and I believe Carson Wentz got hurt on December 3rd. If you're taking into account the nine-month recovery for an ACL, that takes you to September 3rd. Yeah, and there you go. September 3rd, right is, there. that's one week before week one, you know, and, and if it takes two weeks longer, well, then you're going to need someone else to start for a bit. So, yeah, I always say if you're going to tear ACL, do it like in September, not in uh, not in December. It's, it, it, it really does change your outlook for the entire next season. Yeah, so Carson Wentz, instead of doing OTAs, he's going to be in rehab. Instead of doing training camp, he's not going to be able to practice unless they medically clear him. So, yeah, they're, they're going to need somebody else besides Carson Wentz next year for sure in some capacity. It's been a great week, great Super Bowl. And I guess the offseason now truly begins in earnest. And, you know, free agency ramping up here. It'll start in about a month, and the rumors will probably start floating before that. So plenty to gear up for here on Locked on Vikings. Thanks for your insights on Super Bowl 52. Have a safe trip back to Nebraska. I will do. What a great season. What a great game yesterday to cap it off. And, uh, you know, I don't know how ratings and all those things were this year, but uh, I tell you what, uh, in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota this week, uh, in St. Paul, uh, and in 
watching that stadium yesterday, uh, it felt like you know football was uh, on top of the world uh, and was never popular. It was uh, it was quite the weekend and quite the game. Yep, be proud if you're a Minnesotan because they definitely put on a great spectacle. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network at Sam Ekstrom at Sage Rosenfels or LockedOnVikings.com. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.